Hey everyone, welcome back to The Local Youth Worker. We're about to get to my conversation with Reagan Rose of Redeeming Productivity, but I just wanted to take a minute to remind you about RYM's virtual conference that will begin on July 6th. We will have five large group sessions. Uh, the main speakers will be Reverend Les Newsom, Richie Session, Cyril Chavis, John Stone, and Robert Cunningham. Those will be our main preachers each night, and there will be games beforehand that the RYM interns are putting together, as well as RYM worship. Uh, Joe Deegan assembled a band and has some worship songs, and so we hope that many churches can use those in the evening, as well as uh, four elective classes that we will have um, for each church to use. Uh, Again, we hope that people can use this in a socially distanced way. If churches are gathering or if they aren't gathering, that maybe you can gather in small groups and watch these together and, and use these as uh, content to to not only participate in, but then afterwards kind of have some small group discussion. So even though we're hindered from gathering together uh, physically, I hope that many churches, and it's RYM's hope and prayer that many churches can use this uh, in their context, wherever that may be, uh, to disciple uh, their students. And we also have uh, a track for uh, youth leaders as well. Uh, Joe Novenson, Walt Mueller, and Scotty Smith will be putting some content together uh, specifically aimed at those leading uh, in, in youth ministry, uh, as well as other, other pastors as well could benefit from this content. So again, there's going to be more info that we're sending out. Uh, there's going to be information that's on our website. That's where all of these videos are going to be accessible. Uh, you'll see a link on our website, uh, but stay tuned. All of that begins on July 6th, so be sure to check it out. Here's my conversation with Reagan Rose. Oh, Right today, I have Reagan Rose of Redeeming Productivity joining me on the podcast. Uh, Reagan, welcome. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, yeah, good to good to have you, um, Reagan. Why don't you just uh, begin by telling us, you know, where you're from, where you live, and then we'll we'll get into a little bit about your your blog in just a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my name is Reagan Rose. I live in Southern California. And I am the director of digital platforms at Grace to You, which is the Bible teaching ministry of John MacArthur. I'm from Michigan originally, uh, but my wife and I moved out here to Southern California to attend seminary about six or seven years ago and kind of got stuck. I appreciate you making that time too, as we were talking a little bit pre-recording. Uh, Reagan, just and again, at the time of this recording, uh, this might be out in just a few weeks, as he's just getting clearance to move back into the office. So I know after we finish recording this, you'll be packing some things up and, and getting moved in. So I appreciate you uh, working me into the chaos of, of moving. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's never, never fun and easy uh, moving for sure. <laughs> Um, and, and Reagan, I know I was saying this too at the, at the beginning. I'm not exactly sure how I stumbled across your, your blog. It might have been through Tim Challies. I don't know if he had uh, redeeming productivity listed in his a la carte, but I've been encouraged uh, by uh, so much of what you've been putting out, uh, not only through your blog post, but also your, your podcast. So I thought that'd be a good place for us to begin. Why don't you just tell us a bit about redeeming productivity and maybe some of the origins of how this came about and some of your vision for it as well? Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of evolved over the years. I, I've always been interested in the topic of personal productivity, you know, and, uh, 
you know, he's reading books like, you know, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and, and Getting Things Done, David Allen, things like that. And I always liked the idea of trying to be a little bit more efficient. Um, but the idea for doing um, Redeeming Productivity which it, it actually started as a blog and I originally called it the pastor's week. And I started it while I was in seminary and just talking to some of the other guys that were in school. They, they had, some of them had come from pastorates themselves. All of them were trying to head back into the pastorate. And uh, you know, we just constantly found that we we're having conversations about how, how can we really be better stewards of our lives and some of those unique challenges that pastors face being self-directed, you know, like there's no one leaning over your shoulder telling, telling you, Hey, have you put in the hours this week? Hey, is that sermon yeah. done? Yeah. Um, so originally it was really focused on, on pastors. Um, but as I, I did that, and that was just the blog and I did that for a couple of years, kind of on and off, you know, I was posting maybe once or twice a month. And then I started to hear from people and, and realized that some of the stuff I was talking about in the realm of personal productivity, specifically from like a, a biblical perspective, you know, um, was really helpful for, for Christians in general. And so I ended up kind of changing the name of it uh, to Redeeming Productivity. And last year I, I launched a podcast and I recently started doing some YouTube videos with it too. And kind of the, the big idea, the vision for it is I, I am convinced that the Lord wants us to be good stewards of our lives for his glory. And I am also convinced in the sufficiency of scripture that, that God's word has what we need for life and godliness. And as I study the scriptures and I see, see all this teaching about stewardship and wisdom and all of these things, there is a lot that we would kind of in, in modern times here call productivity language about how do I, how do I make the most of this life uh, for God's glory? How do I live successfully, quote unquote, as a Christian? And God's word has answers to that. And so my, my goal is just to try to look at those things uh, from a scriptural perspective and try to think about them and try to present them to Christians and, and motivate them to um, continue to strive to, uh, to work diligently unto the Lord. And then also the other kind of prong of that is to give some practical stuff. You know, I think that we can borrow from the world, some of these practices about how, you know, how we manage a to-do list or how we can better, you know, keep our email inboxes straight, but trying to approach those with discernment. So we're not um, accidentally imbibing some of the um, unbiblical assumptions that are so uh, deeply ingrained in a lot of secular books on personal productivity. So that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the goal for it. Yeah, no, it's really encouraging. Just, it seems like, uh, there, there's been more discussion on productivity from a biblical perspective um, as of late. And that, that, that's been encouraging because it does seem like the, the world has tried to exercise the, this um, understanding of stewardship that we would say kind of from a biblical perspective, even though they don't, you know, always recognize it in that way or approach it in that way. Um, but again, I love how you're mentioning uh, just the Bible's emphasis of of stewarding the time. And it, it seems like I, I can remember when Matt Perman, I might be incorrect on this, but it seemed like when, when he released what's best next, that mm -hmm. he received some pushback on what's best next that, uh, you know, sometimes when you talk about productivity, uh, there can be, you know, some criticism. It can sound like legalism to some. And so I'm just curious, have you received any pushback on, on that as you've, you know, launched redeeming productivity and have talked 
about this or there's Christians that kind of just push back a little bit on you on that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I thought it was funny that you, you know, you'd sent me some of these questions ahead of time. I thought that was a perceptive question because yeah, I, I mean, I was surprised, honestly, and I still get stuff about that. Um, I'll get emails about that. People are saying that it's, it's legalistic to be suggesting that Christians need to be more productive their lives. And, uh, you know, I think I did, I did some, I did youth ministry. I worked with college students for a while. And I think that it's, it's kind of the same thing anytime you encourage Christians to obedience, like actually obeying God, mm-hmm. doing things, you know, as a Christian, there's somehow along the way in some corners of, of evangelicalism, there's arisen this notion that uh, any, like people I think understand they got the point that, that salvation is by grace through faith, not of works. Right. So they, they got like Ephesians two, eight and nine. They're like, this is great. I'm, 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 I'm saved, not by works. And then they just kind of crossed out verse 10, you know, because (laughs) it goes on to say that, you know, God has created us for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And, so I think that that's where that's coming from is kind of a fear, uh, an antinomianism type fear of any sort of obedience as if, as if we're trying to say that you're adding to your salvation or contributing to your salvation by, um, by your good works. That's mm-hmm. not it at all. I mean, if it, if I, if people think that I'm saying that, or, and I'm sure Matt Perriman feels the same way. If people think that that's what we're saying, like they're mishearing it. Mm-hmm. Um, salvation is by grace through faith, but when a person comes to know Jesus Christ, what then? Are we, are we just in a, in a waiting room for heaven? You know, are we just kind of hanging out now? Um, no, there's, there's work to be done. There was a purpose that God made us for. Like we exist for a reason and the redeemed have um, good, good works that they should be walking in and we're to be fruitful in those things, uh, Jesus said. And uh, they, I think there's just, there's language all over um, the Old and New Testaments about the importance of obedience and fruitfulness in obedience. I mean, I just think of like the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, you know, there, there's these principles of he who's been faithful with a little will be put over much. So, so there's, there's this understanding that even um, aside from salvation, that there is, there's a judgment unto reward that comes uh, in, in, uh, in the future and that there are um, what we do right now actually matters. How we spend our lives matters. And it's not legalism to suggest mm-hmm. that we strive to obey our master with all vigor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a very important conversation to have. And to, and to be sure, I mean, we've got to be cautious when we're talking about about work, we don't want it to come off sounding like legalism, and we want to emphasize the finished work of, of Jesus. But everything you're saying is 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 dead on. We, we, we've got to be, by God's grace, striving uh, to to steward the lives well that He's He's given us. And, mm-hmm. and as you're saying all this, I'm, I'm thinking it might have been in Rankin Wilborn's uh, book Union with Christ, uh, where he said, and he might have been quoting someone else, that grace is not opposed to effort; it is opposed to earning. Yeah, um, I like that. And so we, we need to say, yeah, grace is not opposed to, to effort. Uh, it is opposed to earning that Jesus already earned our salvation for us. Um, but but I think it's it's important to continue these conversations and to continue to, to nuance them on productivity. And like you said, to to take some of the common grace 
grace that's communicated from the world and uh, let's you know ground that in scripture as we flesh that out more. Um, mm-hmm. And I was thinking too, just kind of along these lines of criticism, and this might be more of kind of lighthearted criticism, um, but, but I've just kind of wondered is, do you feel a sense of pressure when you launch uh, something, you know, a, a blog centered on productivity. Like I'm just thinking of, <laughs> yeah. you know, anytime you're ever late to an appointment, does anybody like friends joke? Oh, here's yeah. Mr. Redeeming productivity. <laughs> Do you feel that pressure? <laughs> I get grief about it all the time. You know, if you're like, Oh, there he is. And, <laughs> I mean, what can you do? The, the thing is like, I, I try, I'm trying not to try to present myself like somebody who has it all together <laughs> or who, who is like some ascended productivity guru sitting on top of the mountain dispensing <laughs> wisdom. Because like the fact is I'm, I'm not. Like the reason mm-hmm. I'm interested in this stuff is because I'm bad at it and I wanna be good at it. Like mm-hmm. someone who's like naturally organized or naturally good at these things, they wouldn't be writing about it because they don't need to be thinking about it all the time. <laughs> They're not constantly like, how can I, how can I like get my life organized? Yeah. So this is just the fruit of my own struggle to try to just, you know, week by week and, and year by year, just try to be a little bit better of a steward of my life. And then as I'm learning stuff and, and, and reading about this stuff all the time, trying to, to share um, how my thinking's changing with people and, and hopefully people benefit from that. And, mm-hmm. and you know, if people want to make fun of me, that's fine. I can take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is so true though, that, that oftentimes it's, it's those, okay, if we're spending time writing about something, talking about, thinking about it, it's because we, we haven't arrived in that area and we're wanting to spend more time uh, thinking about it. But yeah, that, that thought just came to mind and I was thinking, yeah, that, that's probably got to be a little bit of pressure on you <laughs> from, from yeah. time to time. I think that that's like something that... I th- I've talked to other people about this, Christians who like want to write or want to make a podcast or do something, put themselves out there. I think you feel that pressure of either that I have to have it all together or mm-hmm. people, are, you know, I'm going to be criticized because I don't have it all together. Like, and I think that holds back a lot of believers from really sharing the, the unique, their, the their unique perspective. I'm not saying they have a different version of God's, <laughs> God's truth, but you know, we, he, God has made us all unique. And the way that I might explain something and how it fits together to me just might be the way that you needed to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I like, it's my hope. And I'm always trying to encourage other believers who, who have the impulse to write or to do things like this, just put yourself out there. Like you will, you will get some criticism, but it's, it's not that bad, you know, just, (laughs) just, just do it and just do it from a place of humility and make that humility obvious that um, you're just kind of on the journey with everybody else. And I, I just really wish, I guess what I'm saying is I really wish more believers were putting more good content out there into the world and onto the internet and, and all over and just flooding the place with truth. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good word. That's a very good encouragement for sure. Um, Reagan, look, as we're, uh, you know, having this discussion about productivity, I initially I reached out to you as we're, we're starting the uh, sixth season of this uh, podcast um, talking about, post-pandemic productivity and we're uh, just trying to think about okay as we lord willing will be re-entering into life um, somewhat normal semi-normal you know as we think of different locations people getting into phase one and then phase two and phase three and none of us know when that's exactly going to be but we're trying to help people think through you know how they can be discerning as they jump back into life as they jump back in into ministry Um, and so you know 
as we think about this COVID-19 season, I'm just curious, how has it challenged your own productivity? Have there been, you know, certain areas where you've even been more disciplined in by God's grace, he's given you certain disciplines that have now become more difficult. Just share maybe some of those challenges uh, to your own productivity during the season. Yeah, for sure. I, I like the uh, post-pandemic productivity. That's good. I can tell you went to seminary <laughs> to get the alliteration down. <laughs> that's right. You, you got to get the three Ps. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, that, that's a great question because uh, that that is how I would that's how I've thought about it is this season has presented some unique challenges and some unique opportunities in regard to productivity. Um, I definitely think it's, it's been a lot of just interesting challenges, things I, I wouldn't have predicted that were made like much harder by this. Um, Mm -hmm. At least for me, like I, I, I'm sort of used to being kind of self-directed with my time. Like I, I worked freelance for a number of years, you know, I've been in ministry or like I said, like nobody's like kind of telling you exactly what you need to do every minute. And so you have to learn to be productive. Um, and so that has, that part of it has been like where the good stuff is. And I'll talk about that in a second, but the real challenge I think has been the communication aspect at um, at Grace to You, I, I manage a team of guys, and doing doing management at a distance, and and then in collaborating with other people, other managers, and other uh, folks at the ministry, and we're all like spread out. Like even though we have these tools like Zoom and Skype and all that, it's it's just a lot harder. And it took you know a couple of weeks to kind of figure out just how intentional I had to be about communication. Uh, mm-hmm. When before, like that stuff just happened naturally, you know, we work in an office. And so, you know, you, you see somebody down the hall and you start talking about a project and you know what I mean? Yeah. So that I think has been the, the, the hardest part is trying to, especially trying to keep a team moving in the same direction when you can't all be together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Go, were you going to say something? Yeah. I mean, just that spont- spontaneity, I guess, you know, when you're, like you said, sometimes it's, you're in your office and, uh, maybe it's the afternoon and you're starting to, you know, kind of hit a wall a little bit and you're thinking, okay, I'm just going to get up and walk. And then you run into a teammate and you begin to talk and discuss things and things just happen organically that way. And that, that is definitely a hindrance during this, this season for sure. Yeah. I think my, my boss, uh, Jay flowers, he puts it something like the, the best ideas usually come in the hallways or something along Mm -hmm. those lines. So it's Mm -hmm. those impromptu didn't expect it conversations that lead to really neat like projects and and initiatives. And, you know, you kind of have to make sure you're communicating when you don't have that. Their challenge is the temptation to overwork. Like when, like at least me, I've been working from home from my, my garage and not having that physical separation between workplace and home, like I had forgotten how hard that is to kind of turn it off. Like, <laughs> you know, when you leave the office, it's kind of like, okay, work is done. Now I'm home. You might answer some emails or do some things like that. But I, I've had the issue where I'm, I end up getting up too early and just start jumping into work stuff or I stay too late or, or working on the, the weekend when like I, I really just need to set it aside. And I think something about that, having that physical separation just, I don't know, those walls between those two areas had kind of eroded. And so that, that had been a challenge. I had to be very um, self-conscious about that, making sure I wasn't kind of stealing time from my family. Yeah. There's just something about, 
you know, a physical space and having those, those boundaries of, you know, even picking up your belongings from your office, walking out to your car, getting in the car, driving home, just the, the mental kind of uh, ways in which we can kind of unwind from the day and, and leave some of the behind, that behind. And so, yeah, I would definitely echo how um, it, it's easier for, for work and kind of personal life to bleed into each other uh, during this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I know too that there've been some encouragements during the season as, as well. And so I'm curious, how, how has your productivity been encouraged during the season? Maybe even this pandemic m- might've reinforced some of your uh, productivity. Yeah, I think probably the biggest thing that it has helped with in, in regard to like personal productivity is being able to do like that deep focused work. Um, there's a book came out a few years ago, Deep Work by Cal Newport, which he oh, kind of yeah. like Ex- did all. Yeah, book. Great book. Yeah. And he kind of does all, he looks at all the research and talks about just the value of huge chunks of very, very focused time. It's hard to do that in an office environment. I mean, it's, it's a blessing being around people, but there's the social aspects and there's the little interruptions and stuff. And it's difficult to find those big chunks of time. But during this pandemic, you, you know, I had the opportunity to be able to dig into some, some projects and some things that took a lot of sustained focus with a big chunk of time and knock them out, which I don't know. I don't know when I ever would have been able to make that happen um, at the office. So that's been good. And I'm kind of trying to think through, how can I, how can I, you know, guard chunks of time like that in the future so that I can not give up that completely when we go back Mm -hmm. to normal. Um, And then I think, I mean, this is kind of just simple stuff, but home improvement projects, like stuff that I've put (laughs) off for, I think a lot of people have done this. I've been putting off for a long time doing that. And, uh, and then physical exercise. This is, uh, I, it's something that I know is important and I Mm -hmm. constantly like, like, push it to the side and put other things in its place and have not having like to, to drive into work, having, you know, the, even in the summer with the, the day, it was the day starting earlier and things like that with the sun, getting a lot more exercise and that's been good. And I want to, I want to try to again, guard that a little bit more carefully in the future because I'm seeing the, the immense benefits of daily physical exercise to the rest of my productivity. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's another area as we, think of ways in which people can, you know, shout legalism or start to push back, start talking about physical <laughs> exercise and <laughs> yeah. stewarding the body. Um, so I guess just the, you know, the broad umbrella of stewardship in general uh, can be a lightning rod. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, important as we're, you know, body and soul and individuals. So um, our physical body is going to impact our, our soul for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's another podcast for, <laughs> for another time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, Reagan, a few weeks ago, Tim Challies was on, on the podcast and we were talking about productivity and he was just saying how foundations are just so vital um, to productivity that, um, that, you know, he had read a lot and kind of practiced a lot before he started writing on, on productivity. And so maybe just asking you along those lines, what would have proved to be some of the most helpful productivity practices in your, in your own life? Maybe some of those productivity foundations, what would you point to as some of the most helpful? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the biggest one, if I had to just give one, I would just say, wake up early and consistently like that has been the cornerstone and like the single thing I can point to mm-hmm. that kind of, 
changed my life from being uh, a do nothing gamer, you know, just wasting the days on, on my own, like, you know, pleasures and enjoyment to someone who's been like trying to, who's consistently in the word of God, who's, who's, um, you know, working on these side projects, doing, doing things like that. I'm not saying that to try to like toot my own horn. I'm just saying like, mm-hmm. when you carve out a couple hours for yourself that are just for you each morning, everything else becomes possible. Um, and, and anybody, I mean, I feel, I joke sometimes that it's kind of like a superpower and, uh, people immediately, immediately ask like, well, oh, well, like I can't give up sleep. Well, just, you know, I, I don't, I started going to bed just really early. So I, I go to bed at the same time as my grandma, you know, I go to bed at nine <laughs> o'clock and I wake up really early, um, usually about four thirty or five. And then I have, you know, three and a half hours of time just to myself before everyone else is up or where I need to start getting ready to leave. And that, that changes everything. It gives you a chance to, to look ahead at your day, at your calendar. It gives you a chance of quiet, unhurried time with the Lord, um, reading his words, spending time in prayer. It gives you time to, to read, you know, if you have trouble finding time uh, with all the hustle and bustle to, to get into other books. Um, it gives you time like that. I mean, redeeming productivity is the product of my early mornings. Like that's, mm. I, that's, I don't do it during the day when I'm at work. I don't do it in the evenings. I do it almost all during uh, the morning. So that I just think I can't overstate that enough. <laughs> Find a way to get up early and you basically just have a bunch of extra time. Um, yeah, that's that, the that that's huge. And I know there, there've been seasons in my own life where I'm more consistent in waking up early. And then sometimes, you know, depending on the kids not sleeping or illness or whatever, that, that habit can fall by the wayside. But I would, I would echo that. I mean, I can, I think it was, um, Kevin DeYoung and crazy busy and he might've been citing, uh, I forget who is it Charles Duig who did power of habit. Is that right? Do you know? If that the top sounds of right. I don't remember. Okay. I'm trying to picture the cover. That sounds right though. <laughs> but, but he talks about keystone habits and how there's, you know, one habit that impacts absolutely everything else. And so to me, it seems like, yeah, waking up early is such a keystone habit. Um, well, well, any others before I, I move on there, any other practices that have kind of been foundational or, or others yeah. that have flown from, or co- connected to this waking up early? Yeah, I think I already mentioned kind of physical exercise and that that's been one that I just, I'm not, I haven't been good enough with, with doing, but like, if you, if you, and actually he mentions it in the power of habit that, you know, when they did research on these keystone habits, physical exercise was one of the things where when people started doing that in their lives, everything else started falling into place. And I, I found that true in my own life. If I'm, if I'm jogging regularly or even just going long walks, my brain is clearer. Um, you know, I, I have more energy I'm more focused. So that's a big one. And then, uh, Tim Chally's probably mentioned this, but, but just developing systems for, for everything. His book, Do More Better is awesome. I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. talked about some of that stuff, but like having, mm-hmm. having a task management system, information management system, having a place for everything to go in your life. Um, I am not, as I mentioned, I'm not like a super organized person, but there are things that I've just learned. You have to be ruthless about having a spot for everything to go. Otherwise your life spins out of control too fast. You've got to have somewhere when someone asks you, Hey, can you do this thing for me? And you say, yes. Okay. What system is that going to go into to make sure you actually do it? And that's like really foundational, you know, like, uh, getting things done by David Allen's kind of the book on, on the Mm -hmm. GTD method. Um, but if you have that, like everything else in life becomes a lot, a lot simpler because you're not like 
you don't constantly feel like you have to be apologizing to people because you forgot about something. You're not constantly dropping the ball and you have some sense of, um, of control over, uh, over your time and, and, and what's, what's coming next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and look, while we're, while we're on this, I, I want to give you a chance to kind of, you know, promote yourself a little bit. I know that's not what you're, you're trying to do through this, but as we're having this discussion, is there a blog post that you've written on kind of discussing some of this, or maybe even a podcast episode where you can point people to, as you're, you know, talking about systems or talking about some of these other things, anything that's coming to mind from your own website that I'd love to point people to. Oh man. I, <laughs> I'll I do the, I'll do the, the, the I know I can't think of anything. I'll do the, <laughs> I'll do the humble thing and I'll just point back to Tim Chalice. Honestly, <laughs> the stuff, the stuff about systems, his book, do more better is, is the best resource like secular or Christian on just really practical how to set up all the major systems you need in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm sure I've probably written on OmniFocus. That's the tool I use for task management. There's probably some posts on there about that, but if you want something really just solid, read Tim's book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I would echo that for sure. Cause it's, it's not only, it's just, it's very concise. It's not a very dense book. It's easy to to read through and it's very, it's very simple. So I would, I would echo that. Um, and, and as we're, we're talking about books, I'm thinking of, and I met, mentioned Matt Perman earlier, but he also has a book uh, entitled unstuck. And so I'm curious, what do you do when you get stuck in a project? Um, even if, you know, you have some of these keystone habits in place, you're, you're doing things, but inevitably we'll get stuck in certain projects. And how, how do you push forward? What, what's some advice there? Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. Yeah, I think, I think like when we get stuck on a problem or a project or, or whatever it is, I think usually what it boils down to is the reason we're stuck is, is obviously we don't know what the next step is. We're not really sure what to do next. Like if we had a, if we had a clear next step, um, we would take it, you know, or if we knew exactly, you know, if an obstacle was there in front of us and we knew how to get around that obstacle, we would do it. And so I think a lot of times the reason we're stuck is because we don't know what to do next. And so we start procrastinating instead of, you know, wrapping our mind around the problem and trying to find a solution to it. We keep kind of putting it off. Um, or sometimes I think we actually know what the next step is. I found this for myself with a lot of projects. Like I know what I should do next, but I really don't want to do it. It's, it's going to be hard or it might be potentially embarrassing and I want to find some way to avoid it. And then the project kind of stalls out and I'm stuck cause I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, yeah, and, go and ahead. I'm just thinking of just this entire season of, uh, you know, dealing with COVID of just not, uh, there's there's so many answers we don't have to certain things. And to me, it seems like that has made me stall on so much of my productivity, just not knowing how to move forward on certain things. Yeah, I heard somebody say this. I don't remember who it was, but they said procrastination is your brain telling you you don't have a plan. And <laughs> I, I think that that's, that's true. Like uncertainty is like the killer of productivity. You, If you don't know what to do, you can't you can't execute. And in fact, Matt uh, Perman, he mentions in that book, How to Get Unstuck, he gives like three reasons why we get stuck. Mm-hmm. He said like, we, we don't know what God wants us to do. We know what God wants us to do, but we don't know how to make it happen. Or there's, there's an obstacle in the way uh, that's preventing us from doing what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that 
all of those boil down to really just just one thing um is we need some sort of we need perspective we need we need to develop a plan um and what what sometimes we'll do is we'll keep banging our head against the wall we'll try to push through and just try to keep doing the same stuff and it's not working or we'll kind of abandon the project altogether and and just kind of say well i don't know i'll come back to this and maybe <laughs> maybe things will have changed down the road but i do think that the best thing we can do usually when we're stuck on something is to pull back not push through but pull back and try to gain perspective um, on exactly what the problem is and and define it and so i think there's like a lot of ways to do that you can for me a lot of times it's talking it through with a friend or or with my wife especially even if it's something she doesn't you know i'll, I'll talk to her about um you know like websites or how how they work and this problem we're having she doesn't understand the technical part of it but a lot of times the she'll understand the basic problem and she'll answer with like a profound wisdom you're like well why don't you just call someone who knows how to do that say so, yeah <laughs> and that and i knew that i should do that but i was too embarrassed you know and have someone tell you yeah go go and ask for help um or even just you know walking and clearing your head but mm -hmm. for for christians like the most important thing we can do and i i don't know if you're like me but often it's the last thing i do when i run into issues and that's to just seek the Lord in prayer. But James mm -hmm. 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. He promises us wisdom if we ask for it. And often what I'll do is I'll, I'll first, you know, in my own strength, try to cycle through all of the productivity techniques and practices <laughs> that I know, you know, what, how you approach these things. And I'll try to do all that first. And only as a last resort will I take advantage of this incredible resource I have as a Christian, which is <laughs> to ask the almighty God of the universe for wisdom, <laughs> what to do next. And, you know, I just, I don't know how many times that just keeps happening to me, but I wish that I would just remember that that's where we should start. Yeah. If you're stuck, ask for help, you know, mm -hmm. ask the Lord for help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is funny how we can forget that. <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah, I've got access to the creator of the universe. Um, I should probably talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, now that, that's, that's helpful. And look, as we're talking about productivity, I, I find that my mind often thinks of, you know, being productive in the office or productive at my work, but I'm, but I'm wanting to ask, okay, thinking about being productive in the home. Um, because you know, I'm, I'm a homebody. Uh, when, when I, I love just being at home and oftentimes when I get home, I want to just kind of relax, but in many ways, I, I know that's, really when I'm, I'm clocking in when I get home, but that's my, my primary job um, that I need to be, you know, on when I get, when I get home, I need to, you know, help my wife. I need to play with my, my children. And so just maybe asking you, how do you distinguish and maybe separate productivity in the home and productivity at, at work? What, what are some productivity principles uh, for, for maybe in the home? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I think that, I think that it's kind of a side effect of all of the the literature and stuff that surrounds productivity is when you use the word productivity and we think about it we typically do like you said like you think about work because most of the books out there are about like how to be more productive so you'd be more successful or so your business will succeed or whatever and that's kind of the emphasis and so i i, I think you're right on is we have to think about it in terms of of stewardship it's the better more biblical word for what we're talking about anyway and it's basically how do I, what do I need to be doing in all the areas for which God has made me responsible? 
And work is an important area that God's given us responsibility over, and we need to be productive at work. But we also need to be good stewards of our homes, you know, that we, we have been entrusted with that and we're, we're to make a good return on that, uh, on that um, investment that God has given us to, to manage. And our families, uh, our home life, even, even like our possessions and finances, uh, relationships, all of that are slices of that pie that make up what we're responsible to steward. So I think that, I think that like the biggest thing is, is trying to be con consciously shift your perspective to that, that um, your main thing isn't work. That's one of your things. And mm -hmm. you, you have only so much time in a day. And that's kind of our, our biggest uh, productivity resource that we invest in things. And so if your family, if you're saying that my family is as valuable or even more valuable than my, my work life is as something I need to to be responsible for and steward, then you have to invest time in it. Um, and you need to think, at least this has helped me, I need to think about it that when I am working too much, too, too many hours, I'm taking time from one of my other areas of responsibility. And sometimes that's, sometimes that's necessary in a season. You just want to be conscious of that and try to correct it. And and, and make sure that what you're doing, the, the same intentionality with which you approach your work and trying to be better at it, be more efficient, try to manage those relationships, you want to apply that in your home as well. Um, and, and I think a lot of that uh, comes through um, setting up boundaries for yourself um, and clear expectations and communications, um, especially if you find that, that work is encroaching on, on your home life. Um, you know, speaking to your, your spouse or your kids and, and telling them, hey, I have this, this project and I want to ask you guys, is, I, I, I need to be working on this for work and I don't want to borrow this time for you, but would you do me this, this favor and let me, let me encroach into our, our time to work on this and then um, we're going to go back to normal. Um, after this project's over, you know, and so like, I think a lot of it comes to communications because you don't want to, you just don't want to end up like the, those folks who, you know, the, the classic workaholic type mm -hmm. person who has put career and job above everything else. It's like, that's, that's part of it. It's important, but it's not the only thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I mean, just communication being so vitally important there. Um, Cause it, there are going to be seasons in life where it's just busier. Maybe it's uh, church responsibilities as, you know, an officer in the church. Maybe it's other ministry opportunities. Maybe it's projects, whatever the case may be, there are going to be those busier seasons. And I think just having that communication to say, okay, like these next few weeks, they might be really busy, but we've got this time. Let's guard on, you know, on the other side of this so that we can be sure to have, you know, family time. But I think that, yeah, communication is uh, such a huge aspect of that. Um, look, as we're talking about biblically talking about productivity we cannot biblically talk about productivity without also factoring in rest um, because we know that just as god created work you know pre-fall he also uh, created rest and that rest is just ingrained into our our dna and so maybe just talk about um, how does rest factor into your productivity yeah 
And rest is, is so important. And I also feel like, I don't know if you've seen this, but I feel like when you talk with um, Christians about the subject of rest, it sometimes gets a little bit tricky because there are a lot of believers that think that they need way more rest and relaxation than they do. And so like, you kind of want to, you know, spur (laughs) them on a little bit to love and good works. Um, But then there's other believers. And especially, I think I, you know, people who kind of are interested in the topic of productivity probably fall into this where that you kind of sometimes feel like you don't need any rest at all. And you say yes to too many things and you overcommit yourself all the time and you end up, you know, burning yourself out. Um, there's actually a great little book by Christopher Ash called Zeal Without Burnout. If you fall into that latter category with, about like, you know, uh, a tendency to, to overcommit and burn yourself out, man, that's a, that's a good book. And it, uh, it's, it's pretty convicting because he kind of talks about how there is a pride in overwork. Um, there's a pride in saying yes to everybody and wanting to like, you know, be the person who swoops in with the, the cape and kind of saves the day. <laughs> and, and it's like, wow, wow, that person works so much. And, and he, he was here late again. And that's just awesome, you know, and, and that love of, of the praise of men. And he just points out in that what the scriptures teach, which is rest was given to us by God you know, six days shall you labor and the seventh is the Lord. Like he created the Sabbath rest. And, and, you know, Jesus said in, in Mark two twenty seven that Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's not meant to be a burden. It's something that he has been given to us as a gift and something that we need. Um, and so he's even built into the, the week. God has these natural rhythms for rest. And um, we have to be diligent to make sure that especially like nowadays, like everything's always on, right? Like mm-hmm. I can I can answer work email from my bed, from my phone. That is great if there's an emergency. <laughs> That's not great if everything's an emergency, you know. And you and it kind of cuts into your your rest. But acknowledging our need for rest, I, I think is is it's this act of of humble dependence. You're saying I'm a finite creature. I cannot do it all. And there's this trust that. If I don't, you know, take it back to the Sabbath, if, if I don't work on, on Sunday, if I don't work on Saturday, uh, is the Lord going to provide for my family or not? You know, because, because you're, you're stepping back and you're saying, I could work seven days a week. If I worked seven days a week, that would mean more income. That'd be mean we're, we're better taken care of. That would mean everything's better, right? But there's, a, there's this act of trust when you say, I'm not going to work. And there's this act of trust every night when you lay your head down on the pillow and take a break from it. It's just, hey, I'm not in control of this universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to trust that that me putting in these, whatever, these hours of work, the Lord will use that, my responsible, faithful use of that allotted time, and he will bless that. Um, and I think the other part of rest is, you know, not just sleep, but um, diversion, you know, like hobbies and things like that. Uh, the, you know, there's that old English proverb, uh, change is as good as a rest. And mm-hmm. I think that that's why like hobbies are really an important thing. Like mm-hmm. you kind of sometimes, especially if you're, again, if you're like productivity oriented, you're going to sometimes feel that it's a waste of time or like, well, who, like if I'm making, I don't know, dresser drawers in my garage or, you know, (laughs) painting action figures or something like what a waste of time. That's silly. You know, I could be doing something more important, but 
I don't know, but about you, but some of the most, since I, my, I work with my brain like all day, some mm-hmm. of the most restful things for me isn't like taking a nap in the hammock. It's doing some manual work, like mowing the lawn or, or, or working on something around the house, moving some big rocks around mm-hmm. and using a different part of my brain and using my body, you know, and there's just a, a, a relaxation and a, and a restfulness that comes from allowing ourselves to have these diversions and not constantly be so focused on just one or two things. And I think that that, you know, you think of Ecclesiastes, that's, that is sort of this well-rounded life lived before God, where you just accept that there are, there are seasons and, and times throughout the day where you're, you're more productive or less productive and, and where you're, you're enjoying the fruits of your labor and where you're working hard for them. And yeah, I just think, rest is a huge part of being productive because it it's part of just being a well-rounded um human being mm-hmm. yeah yeah reagan i know we're, we're going to be wrapping this up but before too long but um just speaking to those in ministry as we uh attempt to to re-enter and again as we're doing some of that gradually uh, what are some cautions you'd like to to give to those uh, serving in in a church you know some of the conversation i had with tim challies is him just kind of saying you know taking this time to evaluate our lives and look at what's been removed and kind of asking okay should we add this back into our schedule should we add that back into our schedules and so maybe just some some cautions that you'd like to give for those as they they get back into serving uh, in, in a church? Yeah. Yeah. I think the first thing I would say is just don't set your hopes on things snapping back to normal right away. Mm-hmm. I, I know from uh, pastor friends and stuff that it, this has been a hard season for a lot of pastors, you know, the people mm-hmm. aren't there. Um, and some folks have, have set their minds on like the kind of the light at the end of the tunnel for them is that first Sunday that the church reopens everyone's back it's looking less and less like that's going to be such a dramatic thing. It looks more and more like it's going to start slowly. Mm-hmm. And so I would just caution pastors just from a practical perspective. Um, don't let that be the thing that's like th- that you're saying your hopes on, because you're probably going to be ended up being disappointed by that. Um, just, just keep depending on the Lord, look for those opportunities. And um, as, as things reopen slowly, it's going to look a little bit different than it did before. And, and that's okay. It's just something something to trust the Lord in. Uh, I'd also say fight the urge to grumble and complain. This has been huge for me. And I, and I know again, like a lot of friends in ministry, you know, you're like, Oh, the government and, you know, and you kind of get like a persecution complex and some of those things. It's just, it's not helpful. And grumbling and complaining is a sin. So like we <laughs> probably don't do that. Um, but like, I, I think we have to be diligent to, to fight that. Things aren't how we want them to be, but God's sovereign, he's in control. And the situation is one which he has sovereignly ordained. So um, take joy in that. Even, even though it's a time of trial, take joy in that. Uh, and then finally, just be, be diligent to keep whatever good habits you've kind of learned during this time. I think all of us, there's, there's some different interesting things we've done. Like I started a garden and I'm like, this is awesome. But I could very easily see when, when things, life goes back to, to normal, me kind of dropping some of those things. Um, and so, you know, be deliberate about trying to reinforce and integrate those new habits you've learned into your life and don't let them get pushed out by routine. 
Mm, yeah, that, that's really good. That that last one, especially. I mean, all all of those are good. But to to think, especially if you, you've kind of started a new habit, uh, that's a good habit. I mean, like a garden, um, to just not let those things go, to to continue that on as as life's getting back uh, to normal. Um, so Reagan, look before we leave, just one one last question. Uh, just what's the best productivity tip anyone has given you? We might have already covered this. It might just be rehashing something we. We've already mentioned, but just when I ask you the best productivity tip, what what, what comes to mind? Okay, I'm going to give kind of a cheeky answer, but <laughs> I, I I mean this: man's chief end is to glorify God and then to enjoy Him forever. Mm. The the all of the stuff you do to be productive, it all flows from your your thinking about why you're here and why you're doing what you're doing. Like from day to day, like there's going to be a new piece of technology that'll make you have, that'll make you better track your habits. There's going to be some new technique you have for managing your to-do list. All that stuff's going to come and go. And it's great to learn that and to kind of assemble those things. But the thing that if, if you just keep at the forefront of your mind, that the reason you are on this planet is to bring glory to the God of the universe and to enjoy him forever, that will drive everything. That is that is the fuel that will make you desire to put off um, all these encumbrances that'll, that'll, that'll fuel you to say, I don't want to waste this precious time I have. I don't want to waste all of these opportunities the Lord's given me. I want to give him the best return on those things he's entrusted me because I want to bring him glory. And so I think everything that we do is going to flow from that mindset. And so I would just tell people, chew on that, meditate on that saturate your mind with it you were created to glorify god and to enjoy him for all eternity what a great reason to wake up and get to work amen and that, that's a great place uh, to end uh well look people uh who are listening please be sure to check out uh, redeeming productivity the blog and also uh, the podcast uh reagan's i uh, got a lot of good stuff uh that, that's helpful uh reagan look i appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and help us think through this uh post-pandemic productivity john it's been a blessing thanks for having me absolutely have a good day you too oh, come and buy without money oh come and feast without